Intersection is brought to you by Touchpoint Media Network, podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. Learn more at touchpoint.health. Welcome to Intersection. I am Bobby Ratu, storyteller. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear George and Henry. Happy birthday to started at 3.30 Saturday morning, June 10th, being awakened by Sarah saying something is wrong. As I rubbed my eyes trying to figure out what was going on, I realized her swift movements to the bathroom indicated I better jump into action. As I ran into the bathroom, I looked at Sarah as her tears ran down her face. I knew I better call Dr. Hearn immediately. I wondered, how did this all start? We knew we wanted another child after Sarah had a last scare with a bad mammogram. We knew the window of time was closing on us. Her mother died of triple negative metastatic breast cancer back in September 2007. Even though Sarah's digital mammogram showed more slices and potentially more false positives, she knew she had to be proactive. She researched breast reduction and found Dr. Felice Moody at AMED Health, who performed the double breast reduction, removing the questionable tissue and significantly reducing her chances of breast cancer. She was 38 when she had surgery and knew after she recovered Next up was trying to have a second child. We knew the risks of getting pregnant at 38. We had done our research. Working in healthcare communication and advocacy, I was surrounded by the best and the brightest. I've spent the better part of my years working with large, medium, and small health systems, healthcare trade associations and advocacy groups, and foundations that supported access to quality healthcare. These resources became a powerful backbone to many of our future decisions. I grew up in healthcare, with my mom putting herself through nursing school, healthcare has been and will always be a part of my DNA. Okay, so we're yeah. gonna tell stories. Right, you can pick dots off your own piece. But dots taste so Who would good. like to tell a story about two years with the twins? What is your f- oh, yeah, one story you can remember? Yeah. Can I get a one with lots of dots? And who would like I to start? Me! me. Okay, so I think Sadie should go first. Yeah, she raised her hand first. Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Hey, boy. So you're going to have to speak up. So share your story. 
What I remember camp. about the twins is when um, Sassy had invited us over to her house and said that the twins were coming home. And they were just little newborns, so we had gotten them out of their cribs and we put them on a blanket. Um, George was on one side and Henry was on the other of the blanket. And suddenly George starts to pee and it goes everywhere. <laughs> and then it splashes on oh, Henry's no. face. Oh, I want to like the story. Oh, Rose can go next. Okay, I have one. That's so funny. We call okay. that the, okay. the golden shower. Once George was in the <laughs> George was what? George was in the bathtub, and Mama was washing his hair, and he was a newborn, and I was washing his stomach, and I felt something on my arm, and I, and he was peeing on me. <laughs> 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 Just the same title as the last story. <laughs> Dr. Hearn is more than a doctor, a physician, and an OB. He's a friend, a trusted soul, a man that knows how to talk to his mothers. He knows what to say, how to say it, and how to listen. He gives out his personal cell phone. He accepts our calls at 3.30 a.m. He just cares. He loves his patients, his mothers, and his babies. In his kind, soft voice, he explained to Sarah that if we came to InMed Health, he would probably have to deliver the twins and then send them to GHS's NICU and keep her in Anderson to recover from the C-section. He told her that if she went to GHS and had to deliver the twins, everyone would be in one place to get the very best care we needed. I knew Dr. Herm wanted to deliver the twins, I knew Sarah wanted to see him right after they were born. I also knew that Dr. Herm put his patients first. I've worked with so many different systems of care. I've worked with so many different systems of care. I've worked with advocacy groups supporting healthcare initiatives for low-income patients. I've written video scripts and campaigns surrounding patient safety and surgical safety checklists. Interviewed Dr. Atul Gawande. Interviewed Helen Haskell, mother of Lewis Blackman. And the list goes on and on. I've seen the big picture of healthcare and all the way down to the granular daily conversation of reimbursement, evidence-based medicine, marketing campaigns to put heads in beds, and the importance of washing your hands. But I never thought I would witness all these systems of care in one situation. After rushing to GHS at 4.30 a.m., I knew something big was going to happen. I'd hoped the boys could hold on a few more weeks, but I had a weary feeling in my gut. As I raced Sarah down I-85 to GHS, I called my mother who'd spent 28 years in the GHS emergency department. She told me where to park and how to find OB triage. After rushing to the sixth floor into OB triage, I knew we were in a teaching hospital. Teams of physicians and nurses surrounded us, checking Sarah, checking the boys, telling us to prepare for a long day. Then it came. It was finally said. We are going to deliver. As they prepped Sarah for surgery, I dropped into execution mode, calling all the family, friends, ministers, and even Dr. Hearn. I told him what was happening, and he reassured me we'd made the right decision. I stood in the labor and delivery recovery room as they took her away. I watched my wife, my twins, my whole life being wheeled away to surgery. My heart sunk. All right, so someone, can anybody remember a story either while we're in the hospital or after we came Don't home. Don't off the knife. Any stories that y'all remember? So cut your 
Can you think back that far? I have one. Okay. I remember the day they got to come home. Me too. Me too. So I didn't know. No, you can't. Hold on, buddy. You weren't there. You should watch that video. Okay, but we're telling stories right now. In the hospital. Hold on, let let let, yeah, let Jin Jin tell the story. Okay. Save your story until you can tell it. Um, so we were in the hospital. Me and Sassy were there. Um, the really nice nurse. What was her name? Lynn. Lynn? Mm-hmm. Nurse Lynn. Lynn. Lynn came in and was doing her little checks and stuff, and we did not realize this. Maybe I should take this away. Here, I will take this. Away. That they were doing this well. We thought we were still in there for you know a couple more days. And she came in and said. Well, I think it's time to go home. And we said, what? when? And she said, how about today? And we got super excited. It was like Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we called Uncle Bobby slash Daddy and told him to bring the car up there. And it took a while because they had to do all the discharge stuff and put them in their car seats. They had to sit in their little baby car seats to make sure they could breathe okay for like an hour. So then we had to wait on that and lots of other little things. And then Uncle Bobby drove up there, and... At this point, 28 days old? Yeah, 28. 28. And then they loaded up their little cart, and everybody was super excited, and they called them the Royal Twins, the Royal Babies. And as they rolled down the hall, out of the ward, they had... We had loaded the cart up, and there were two little car seats riding on top of the cart with all of their things. And we pushed them all the way out of the hospital, the royal babies, and everyone said goodbye to them as they rolled down the hall like a royal procession. Mm-hmm. And rolled them all like the way out. A lot of the nurses came out to say goodbye. Yeah, they did. So everybody knew the royal babies. And rolled them all the way out, loaded them up. Miss Lynn took them all the way down and put them in their cars. And then I followed behind in the other car... And they got to come home. And then when we got home, we played a good trick. We called Uncle Tom and told Uncle Tom to bring the kids over because we were going to have dinner over here or something. But we didn't tell him why. So he didn't tell them. And then when the kids got here, they walked in the front door. And there are two little rockin' plays with two of the tiniest little humans ever laying in them. And they were so happy Mama! Best surprises ever. I remember ever. when I was in the hospital while I got my appendix lecture. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I used to Press pause on the twin story time for the miles. <laughs> I remember the orderly bringing me scrubs so I could get ready to join Sarah for delivery. As I put them on and the orderly helped me put my mask on, he stopped me for a second. He told me that on the other side of the door were 25 to 30 people preparing to deliver the twins. He told me it was going to be visually overwhelming. He told me my job was to sit with Sarah and talk her through the whole process. I began to shiver and then found peace in his voice as he helped me open the door. As I walked through the door, my eyes could not comprehend what I witnessed. 25 to 30 people working calmly, surrounding Sarah. I remember stopping and scanning the room. I noticed two NICU teams waiting for the boys. I noticed a surgical team on the other side of the sheet working on Sarah. I noticed Sarah's face with that scared look I'd seen before. But for a moment, something changed. I noticed a surgical safety checklist hanging on the wall. I watched each person wash their hands over and over before entering the surgical suite. 
I found comfort in these iconic pieces from my healthcare knowledge base. So many systems of care in one situation. So many contacts from my years of working surrounded me in this very moment. As I stood in that doorway, I watched both my personal and professional life come to a complete standstill, contextualized in one very moment. It was as if I was at the apex of my graduate oral defense, bringing everything I learned to one argument in time. I found confidence, a piece that would ultimately allow me to be a father in that operating room. As each baby was delivered, I was finding joy in each cry, each smile, each part of the delivery process. I was breathing the complete breath of life, knowing that everything was under control. After the boys were born, I was whisked away to the NICU, leaving Sarah behind. As we made our way to the little wing of the NICU Level 1, it was time for me to sign numerous documents, allowing care to be administered to George and Henry. There it was, the Lewis Blackman Patient Safety Form, for me to sign for both George and Henry. It basically states I understand the general rules of clinical trainees, medical students, and the resident physicians providing care to both George and Henry. As I signed, I thought about Helen Haskell. I thought about the numerous interviews I had with her, digging deep into her story, her son's story, and the true meaning of the Lewis Blackman Patient Safety Act. I looked up at the nurse holding these forms, looking at her name badge, thinking about this one piece of legislation is why she is wearing that badge today. I was able to somewhat contextualize those tears in Helen's face each time she speaks during the annual Patient Safety Awards at the Transforming Health Symposium. I thought, I wish Helen could be here right now to witness this very moment. So this, this one is more serious and, not, and more indicative of the time, of the NICU time. Ah. But um, I remember going up there, and me and you, hopefully this doesn't out you too much, but when me and you hugged, the one day, it was like day probably 10, I'm guessing, or somewhere, it was like midway, like 10 or 12, we hugged, and you just started crying, and it was like the most emotional. <laughs> like You were crying, and I was crying, and the twins were like, people were everywhere, and it was probably one of the more emotional things I've experienced. Can I get your water? I feel like that was a depiction of the whole NICU. Since none of us had experienced that, it was like, wow, this is extremely... You were what? asking stories about the NICU. I've blacked out most of it. Yeah. It just seems better to block yeah. it out. <laughs> we hung a little clothesline of all the good thoughts and wishes. We did. Yes. All the and I have a line. box, and all of those things are in it. Oh, yikes. <laughs> I also remember this year at Christmas, this is not a specific story either, just how insane y'all's life is. We got a 10-day <laughs> picture of it, and it was like, you know it is, because like we see all the time, and you can see, but when you get it in like four and five hour doses, you don't get a full capsule of 10 days nonstop, the insanity of particularly that twin, <laughs> meaning Henry, yeah. And I was like, and it made me feel so validated. Mm -hmm. like, I, I felt even called so, you Superwoman. And no, I felt yeah. so good coming home because I was like, someone else sees it. <laughs> <laughs> this is so hard. It's impossible to see the insanity, okay. the true insanity of it, unless you live in it nonstop. And that was just a ten-day little like snippet. I actually feel like I'm losing my mind. Don't pull on Sassy's hair. So my story is a very serious one, but I remember it. I remember. Finally getting the twins into uh -oh. level two. Now let's read all the and I remember...
coming home and having to put Rose to bed. And Rose was in her bedroom trying to recreate the ICU. Oh, yeah. She had created an ICU. And Rose had been spending the night over at y'all's house. And then we went over there, and y'all had all created an ICU. Yeah. So there were like three little there different was like ICUs. A little diving snorkel that she yeah. had wired to her face and yep. was like for for breathing. Yep. And she wouldn't go to bed until it was put together. Well, and I remember the sad day that Rose did not want to come home from our house. She had basically lived at our house, and then there was a sad time. We're not wearing hair, yes, because her life was very unstable. And it was time to finally go home, and she didn't want to go home. Yeah. And then she walked Maggie just now. I remember when Rose hit me two minutes ago. <laughs> she was a good heron for a while. I remember the first birthday party. Tell us, okay, so what was the first birthday party like? Lots of people. Lots of people. 93. So how many people think came through our front door in the first six months? Like it was like a another thing. Like I was so happy to have the help, but I was also so stressed by having people here because I'm an introvert, and so like I really hated feeling like I had zero control over my life. Zero. Remember that one night a week when Nana and Miss Linda would come to the Yes, and it was like vacation. Mm. Going to my bedroom. Y'all knew y'all got to sleep that one night. Know that you could sleep, yes. So I told Nana the story the other night that she never knew. That one night uh, they came over to take over the twins, and we went back there to sleep. And I looked over, and all of a sudden I heard one of them screaming. And Sarah was like, should I go? And I'm like, no, no. They can handle it. We're going to go to bed. And so they kept on screaming and screaming, and I finally fell asleep, but then I woke up to another scream, and it was coming from the air duct. You could hear them through the air conditioning duct, because it's right beside where my head laid. I'll teach you to turn off the baby monitor. And so I took one of the pillows and put it over the air duct. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be hot when you're screaming. Sleep, deprivation, desperation right there. Hey, buddy. You screamed all night. Yeah, Never. this one had so many. I don't memory about <laughs> like both of them having the helmets. It it. Like I think back the to helmets. that, it was. So I forgot hard. about those things, and their heads were so sweaty like, when you took them yeah, off. Yeah, their heads smelled terrible. <gasps> you had to like hand wash, like scrub the inside of the helmets. They could only keep them off for tw- like sixty minutes every twenty-four hours. Remember one of them that dug? I mean, that was awesome. Remember how it dug into the side of George's head? It made a blister. It made a water blister on the side of his face. Look at it now. What are you doing? It's delirious. So, sweetie, (laughs) tell the story about coming home from Virginia. No, oh, I feel like that's a child abuse story. Why? <laughs> it's not. I mean, a lot of people would not understand. Maggie knows one. Well, I'll tell it. I'm going to tell the story. Wait, Maggie knows one. I'm going to tell that story, and then I'll let Maggie tell the story. Yeah. That was okay. Okay. So disclaimer on this story is that people will not agree. So I remember coming home from Virginia sometime in November, and the boys did not sleep at all, and 
Sarah, we're all the way home, and Sarah looks at me and goes, pull into CDS from Walgreens. And I said, for what? She's like, I got to go in and get something. She comes back out with earplugs. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? She's like, they're going to sleep this week. We're going to sleep train them. I was like, all right. So we walk in the door, we put them to bed. And I Sarah, was so desperate. You were. Like, and I had to it work. Had been and Sarah looked at me this, and he said, And I was taking the brunt of it because I wasn't making you get up at night. So it was me. I just, I felt like I hadn't had a full night's sleep. I remember telling you that I felt like I had been taking a series of naps mm-hmm. for six yeah. months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's rough. Yeah. Like there was no night, no day. <coughs> I never knew what time it was or yep. whether it was night or day. I just knew that there were naps and awake times. Yep. And I just, I was miserable. I remember coming in and you were like, Bobby, go to bed. And I was like, what are you going to do? She's like, I'm sleep training them. And so she put the earplugs in. And Rose went and slept with you, so she would yep. have to hear it. <laughs> yep. She slept with me. And the first night, I think you went in there every 10 minutes to let them know that it's okay. And then the second night. Every 20 minutes. And, and then well, by. I mean, the crying got less, less. and less. And by the fourth night, the there fourth was. fourth night. They slept 12 hours. George was the one that put up the biggest fight. He's really, really liked his 338 a bottle. And he did not give it up without. What if fight. we tried to feed him milk at 330 right now? Oh, he'd be so mad. He'd be yeah. Like, oh, okay. Mama? It was like a symphony, truly like a symphony. A few years ago, I had the great privilege to tell an amazing story about an amazing man who survived a heart attack, all because the numerous systems of care worked together to save his life. Mr. Johnny Fields had a heart attack in rural Oconee County, South Carolina. At the time, Oconee Memorial Hospital was not a part of Greenville Health System, yet all the first responders worked seamlessly to get him to the Greenville Memorial Hospital in 63 minutes to save his life. He described all these people working together to save his life using the metaphor, it was like a symphony. Yes, it was. It was like a symphony. All the instruments and all the musicians came together in perfect symphonic motion and saved Mr. Johnny Field's life. This story is like a symphony. So many pieces to the puzzle, so many parts, and it amazes me this happens every day. George and Henry are doing well, as you can hear in the background noise of the two of them just being nutty as two-year-old twins can be. Sarah recovered well from the C-section and is learning the new normal as we balance life with twins and our seven-year-old daughter needing our attention. It is the systems of care every day working together like a symphony that made this possible. It is these systems of care that bring new innovations to the hospitals of South Carolina every day. It is these systems of care that provided my mother a long career, put food on the table when I was young, and now as I grow my own family, provides the very resources to raise that family. I am thankful for the work I do every day, representing numerous hospitals in South Carolina. These very systems I advocate for each day provide the necessary care for the family I love. I am thankful. I am thankful for the second birthday of Henry and George. I am thankful for their health, their care that was provided, and most importantly, my family. Happy second birthday, Henry and George. Thank you to South Carolina Hospitals. Okay, Sadie. I remember 
one Saturday morning, we got up and it was in summer, and we had pancakes. And then mom and Sassy called mommy, and Sassy said that she had just been to the doctor. And then um, we had just gotten the news that Sassy was pregnant. Aww. And I was so excited. And I was like, boy or girl, do we know yet? Oh, we didn't know that it was twins. And I remember when um, when the balloon box was in there, and um, the balloons came out, and Rose looked in it like, is there a pink one stuck I in the know. bottom? Rose kept looking down at the like, is in there the a box. pink one stuck in it? I love the fact that I was in on the border of Mexico and Sarah wanted to find out. It's good that I found out early. She called me and I was like, but we, you said we're going to wait till I get back. And you're like, I got to know now. And I'm like, all right. some time to grieve. Well, because I always wanted Rose to have a sister. Well, and so here I am riding down the road. There's a ton of people. And she was like, let's FaceTime. And so Ellen and everybody was in there, and everybody heard the whole thing. And so it started with the first one was a boy. And Sarah was like, baby A is a boy. Now maybe, let's hope it's Baby B is a, and I really, I don't know. I had convinced myself that it was a boy and a girl. Uh-huh. Wow. I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I, I, I did too. Look at those two. In there. That's what I thought too. That was yeah, where most of our guests were. Too. Almost when everybody I was out, I was like, "It's a boy." Take me off FaceTime. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had always been one of those people, like through infertility, who had super judged moms who were disappointed in gender. Because uh, I'm like, you didn't put me on top of George. George. I can't tell if he's laughing. I don't know. This is the best recording of this podcast. <laughs> it is so. This is typical of is a twin's life. Crazy, crazy town. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Intersection is powered by Touchpoint Media Network, a podcast dedicated to discussions on all things healthcare. To learn more, go to touchpoint.health. That is touchpoint.health.